Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Trying something a little bit different today. We're going to look at a video of uh, where there's these progressive Christians and conservative Christians that are kind of discussing the topic of abortion and homosexuality and all kinds of things that they discuss. But the one particular section they discuss that we're going to look at today is the section on homosexuality. And it's a topic that a lot of Christians don't want to talk about. They don't want to touch it. And I think it's I think it's important that we that we understand a biblical approach. Now, first of all, I want to say this, that we must, according to Scripture, speak the truth in love. So, in other words, we can have a lot of truth, and we can lack love, or we can have so much love that we don't actually speak truth anymore. So the goal on Grace Beyond Sunday is to make sure that we have truth and love. So let's jump into it today. LGBTQ plus couples should be allowed to get married in the this church. This is an interesting question. Should they even be allowed to get married in the church? Which I think fundamentally you have to understand what marriage is. But anyway, let's see what they have to say. <laughs> Personally, I think they should be able to because they can have a marriage that glorifies God just like any straight couples can. Do you hear how she has like an opinion but there's no scripture to back it up. Like as Christians, the word of God is our authority. And so whether we like it or not, whether we wish it were the case or not, it's still our authority. And so if we're not using that, then our authority comes from where? Just within us? Um, there has to be some sort of transcendent authority that we're all subjected to. Otherwise, otherwise, it's just what do I think is right and what do you think is right? And the Bible says that, that there comes a time when everybody does that which is right in their own eyes. That's not a good thing. So just to start off with, we're already kind of in a bad way. Well, I do believe that homosexuality is a sin. I can't tell you what you can, can or can't do with your life. And I do think that you should have the same rights that I have in the same way that I have the right to believe differently. I have to also extend that right to you. And that's an interesting thought right there. Like I, it, this issue of rights, freedom without, and this is a different conversation, but freedom without virtue leads to bondage. And so I understand her heart and I think she's got a sweet spirit about this. Is like, I'm, I'm trying to just say, hey, you have the same rights that I do, but that doesn't make them right. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a way to get out of the conversation. Well, I'm married to a wonderful man, and so, um, so of course, so I would have to agree that LGBT people should um, be allowed to get married in the church. When I was deep in evangelicalism, the narrative was being gay is a sin. And then I saw the church sort of like soften up or change the narrative to, okay, being gay isn't a sin. God made you gay, but you can never act on homosexuality. That's the sin, the act. But again, I don't see the harm. I see beautiful couples like this gentleman here. So I don't see the harm. It's it's my opinion. It's my preference. I think this is beautiful. Fine. You, maybe you think it's beautiful, but again, none of them are taking you to scripture. So when we look at suicidal ideation, we look at trans women being murdered because of the bigotry in this nation, being a lot propagated by Christians, evangelicals. evangelicals. I, to my knowledge, there's zero data. Conservatives, the fruit of that doctrine we've been planting for not only decades but centuries. So, so here she's making this claim that we, for centuries, Christianity has been teaching this thing that is um, causing people literally to to murder other people and suicides. And 
the the reality is what Christianity is trying to be, has been trying to teach for for centuries is that our joy is only found in Christ. And when we look for that joy in our sexuality or in our gender or in something else, that's where the misery comes from. So people aren't committing suicide because they're turning to Christ. They're actually committing suicide because they're not turning to Christ. So it's a totally different argument that she's just proving that she... And I'm not trying to be mean to her personally, but that thought process is just unbiblical. Both First, of these guys are what LGBTQ people do with their lives is none of my business. And I believe they should have the same rights as other couples do in terms of government assistance, of freedoms, of tax benefits, of course, that there should be no discrimination. But when they come to the church and they're saying, can you approve our marriage before God? I can't disregard what I believe the Bible says and say, oh, forget what the it's Bible says way to look at it. so that I could be more accepting of people. He's kind of separating the church side from the political side of it or the legal side of it. I respect totally as individuals, as Americans, I think you have rights. However, I have to go based off of the Bible. So this is the first time we see that someone's even addressing it as a biblical issue. Everybody else thus far has talked about their feelings, their personal preferences, and things of that nature. So I will have to see what he has to say about it, but at least for the first time he's bringing up the Bible as and the Bible equates homosexuality point. to sexual immorality. And so I, I care about you guys as, as people. That, that's not going to make me justify. I, I know that you mentioned like murders and suicide rates. I, I, I don't agree with any of that, and I think that's terrible. But why do you think those are happening? You can no longer say, I, that's horrible what's happening over there, because this theology is the basis of that suicidal ideation in many cases. There's just, there's no evidence for what she's talking about. So to just make claims that Christians have caused this is, it's dangerous, it's reckless to even to even say it, and it's creating fear in Christians to, to try to get them to keep their mouths shut, which is why it's it's... It so is the basis of transphobia in many cases. If you see all of this atrocious pain we're causing the LGBTQ plus community, then we need to look at the plank in our own eye and say, wait, why is this happening? Interesting how words matter, right? She says how we're causing all of this pain. Christians aren't causing the pain. The pain is because when, when we don't turn to Jesus Christ, there's pain. There's a, there's a lack of joy. There's a lack of hope. We're searching for something. There's a God-sized void that only He can fill. All of that stuff. But we're Christians are being blamed for the pain and the hurt. I don't doubt that people are in pain. I don't doubt that people are hurting. But that's not the fault of Christianity. There's a verse that mentions all of the people who won't enter the kingdom of heaven. And I can talk about what Leviticus says about homosexuality or the people who engage in that. But I just base off as Christians, if our goal is to get to heaven, I know that if I'm a drunk, I know if I'm a fornicator, I know if I'm an adulterer, if I'm homo living a homosexual lifestyle, I will not enter the kingdom of heaven. That's what the Bible says. The word homosexuality is not even entered into biblical texts until probably like the 1900s. In the original okay. text, Arsenikoitai and Malakoi are in our English rendition, Correct. it says homosexuality, Correct. but those literally translate to pedophilia. It's a relationship between an older man and his young son. So the verses that say, a man shall not sleep with another man, for it is an abomination that... 
There's no word for homosexuality, that and that is just moment? no dude sleep with other dude. I, I can see how you can see that, that relating to 1 Timothy passage. But if you look at Romans chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, it's clearly in context, it's talking about quote-unquote unnatural relations. It doesn't say homosexual, but it's talking about men having committing acts with other men. Yeah, well, the, the problem with that is that, so in Romans, that's Paul writing. Right. Um, and so Paul that's is, God writing. Yes. No, it's Paul writing. No, it's, it's God. So, so this is actually interesting because there's I, I've seen this in several videos recently where people are claiming that the words of Jesus in the Bible are more significant than the than the writings of Paul because well Paul is teaching these things but if if we believe that all Scripture is inspired by God then even everything Paul said matters but the thing is if we don't want to believe the things that Paul said then we need to find a way to get rid of them or make them insignificant and so this concept and, and much of the new testament is written by Paul so you can disregard so much of the biblical teaching and both theology and practice if you just say ah, Paul wrote it so it's it's that it doesn't matter to us that's a dangerous path to go down because all scripture was given by inspiration of God or what was given by inspiration? Who gets to decide then? Because if we're just claiming, I'll believe this part because it's written and read in my Bible because it's the words of Jesus, but I won't believe what Paul had to say, it's going to, some major do doctrinal differences are going to jump up, which is what we're seeing. It's, it's the reason why even, even the serpent in the garden, from the very beginning, his argument was, did God really say, I, I learned the King James version of the Bible, right? I memorized it as a kid. Uh, portions of scripture in the King James, and he said, yea, hath God said. In other words, did God really say that? Um, and, and that's the same argument that's being used. The devil doesn't change any. He's using that same argument today. Is that really what God said? Um, uh, that's more of a Paul thing, uh, but but it's either all given by inspiration of God or, or it's not. Paul wrote letters to churches. Right. I, I respect you what you believe, but God's you're clearly saying that it's not the same thing. No, no, no. You didn't let me finish. Okay, finish. You, Sorry. Um, the text says natural affection. Well, my natural affection is not towards a woman. My natural affection is towards a man. Okay, hold on. I, I've got my Bible here. Let's let's look at at Romans. Chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, which, which they just mentioned, it says this, For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Um, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise, likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with, re, with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. So his argument right here was, was just that this is my natural affection. It's like, right, that's not what the Bible is saying. It says they gave up what is natural, which is the God's created order, which is that man and woman are supposed to come together, and they've, they've given that up, and they've gone to what is unnatural, and what the text even says is shameful. So he has, this guy, you see it earlier in the video, uh, claims to be, he says that he's a pastor, um, and this is some pretty basic, he, he has, if he doesn't believe that Paul's writings are scripture, and if he doesn't have a proper hermeneutic or the ability to study, uh, the proper understanding of how to study scripture, he's obviously missing some very big details. There are dividing things in the Bible, and progressives want to get rid of that because they want to focus on God loves you, accepts you, and puts his yeah. arms around you. He's not wrong but on in that. in the process, 
have also watered down the gospel, also uh, deleted some things that they know what the Bible says, and because we don't want to cast people away. Mm. So I, I love that heart, but I think in the process of watering down the gospel, you set the bar so low that do they even see the real God? And that's a tricky thing right there, is that we do want to be compassionate and loving, and if, if people... If, if people are going to perceive that our difference of opinion is hateful, we want to avoid that. And so a lot of times we allow things to kind of slip or we, we, we start to even maybe believe it because we don't want to be known as the bad guy. You have to be very careful when we talk about the literalism of the Bible, because if we do that, then basically everyone in this room is sinning because we have mixed tweeds on. Do we know the context of Leviticus? Oh, that's yes, I know such the context. Well, why is that terrible? Context in Leviticus, but want, not context. Well, no, what I'm saying is Leviticus, the law that came so was for the here. people of Israel when they were rescued from the captivity of Egypt. But we see in Jeremiah 31, 31, that the Lord says that he will build a new covenant oh. under the house of Judah and under the house of Israel, right. which is still scripture. Right. So if we go based off of what we see in so, Exodus and Leviticus, that law is gone. But you're allowing for context and history, right. which you for don't thing, allow for. Not for another thing, that's not fair. That's such a terrible misuse of scripture by them. To, to, what they're doing is they're equating the principles in the New Testament, to, which is part of God's moral law, to the Old Testament law and saying, well, if, if you're not willing to do all of the things in the moral law, then why are you saying that you have to do this? They're, they are two different things written for two different reasons, which we could go into massive studies about uh, and we won't do in this episode. But but it's a totally unreasonable and unfair comparison. And if you if you struggle if you doubt that, let's talk some more about it. I'm happy to talk to you about it. But it's it's absolutely a misrepresentation of scripture for them to compare what he's referring to in the book of Romans to to the book of Leviticus. I've gone through some sort of conversion therapy myself, although they called it counseling, to serve as a leader or to serve in different departments. And I always questioned, why are divorced people able to serve and do things? And it's not really a big of a deal in most churches, whereas a lot of churches, they have a statement of faith that says, if you, if you disagree with our um, marriage or like the traditional marriage model, you cannot serve. I never heard any pastor telling someone who's divorced to go back to their ex-husband or ex-wife. So this is something I've actually had discussions with people about recently, uh, and, and without getting into the nuances of divorce, let's say whatever it is that, that the argument is, it's, it's this idea of how can you condemn this, but you're not condemning that, and it makes it seem like, so, so you should just okay this. Well, it, in reality, they should maybe both be wrong, and maybe we should condemn both of them, and, and just because a church doesn't do a good job of condemning this doesn't mean that we should just allow this, because now we're just saying, since we're not doing a good job of condemning sins, let's just allow all of them. That doesn't make any sense at all. It's, it's terrible logic. And so if something is sinful, if something is wrong, we have to stick to just understanding that it is, in fact, wrong, and also other things may be wrong as well. They say it's the same level of sin, but how come these people are like, okay, and these people are not? So that's the problem I see. I'm not going to be a literalist here, but please don't be offended because I do admire your courage in coming out. But I believe homosexuals will not be in heaven. Right. I believe homosexuals, transgenders, people who break the speed limit will all go to heaven if they put their faith in Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Mm. But, but when they get to heaven, 
they will no longer be homosexuals. They will no longer be lawbreakers. They will no longer be drunks based on 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. We can actually see what God's will is clearly based on what it is in heaven. But it does come down to our righteousness. So just because maybe I'm not a homosexual doesn't mean I'm any better than someone that is. I'm still a sinner. I'm still condemned before God. I still deserve condemnation. But in his love and in his mercy and in his justice, he's created a way of escape for us through Jesus Christ. For by grace, you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God not of works. So my works can't save me. I'm not a better person because I don't live in homosexuality. Look, I've got my own sins. Um, and, and and I can't just, but I shouldn't justify those either. And, and neither should somebody that, that struggles with the sin of homosexuality. Um, that's just, I'm not saying that people don't struggle with those desires. What I'm saying is that even if you do, it doesn't mean that you should just be okay with it just because you struggle with it. I, I might struggle with anger or bitterness or whatever. Um, we can't just condone it because we struggle with it. We still have to look at what Scripture says. So when it comes to tendencies with homosexuality, that's something that I've dealt with hmm. since I was very young. However, I don't choose to identify with those tendencies that are within me. I choose to identify with what the Bible declares that I am. And are you miserable? No, no, not at all. You're not? No, because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Oh, that's such a good answer. Could I ask a, an invasive question? You can say no. <laughs> Are you bisexual? No. There is a big possibility I may never get married. Okay. There's so, a big possibility you may get, never get married because of what? Because I choose to trust in the Lord, and I choose to do as the Scripture says, and believe as the Scripture says. So do that's you strong. That's a strong position because he says, I believe the Bible teaches it's wrong. And even though I struggle with those desires, even though I have those desires and they're very real and I don't have the desires for a woman, he's saying, I may just choose to never get married. It, may, it just may not be in, in, the, in the cards, if you will. So do you have inclinations and desires to, like, to be with a guy? I have desires and inclinations to Good follow answer. the voice of the Lord. And I, and I respect that. Like, I, I honestly do. That's a lot of self-control to say basically you're down to the, have a life of celibacy. I was kind of nervous to talk about it a little bit, but I feel like it's a topic that's a lot more in the dark when it comes to the church. And I don't know, I just feel like we need to move forward in a different approach than the way we've been going because it does break my heart seeing people committing suicide and, and hearing about some of the violent conclusions that some people's lives have gotten to. It's interesting that he talks about the suicide aspect of it. Here's a guy that has those same issues, and yet he's not going to suicide. He's going to the joy of the Lord. I feel like if anybody has any reason to find like an explanation for how I could get around Scripture and marry a male, it just I just can't. I, I can't. Can't. Could come I to also that. just ask you where you received that message for the first time? Some people in church that would say like you know, that that was a choice. And, and I realized that I had no control over what I like or what I don't like. Literally, I don't. And I can agree with you with that. I think the choice comes in is choosing to identify with those beliefs and choosing to identify with tendencies inside of you. That's where I believe it com becomes sin. For me, I tried to suppress that um, for years. I, you know, um, I had a girlfriend. I, I did all of these different things and it was like, oh no, it's a sin, it's that. But I had a revelatory moment 
when the church was mean to me. Put him over here, we don't want him with anybody, kick him out, do that. It wasn't, no one showed me the authentic love of Christ. But you know who showed me the authentic love of Christ? My friends who were gay. So he's making a claim here that um, no one showed him the authentic love of Christ, and so therefore, is he justifying the fact that he's the fact that he's gay? Like, is he okaying that because no one showed him the authentic love of Christ? Like, just because the church failed, because we are imperfect people, and churches fail all of the time. We're made up of humans that are gonna that are gonna do things. That doesn't make his choice okay. It doesn't change what Scripture says just because he didn't find it in the church. It's still in Scripture, so either what God said is true and right, or it isn't. But as churches, we need to be very careful to make sure that even homosexual people um, feel loved. I, look, I I want to make sure that if, if somebody walks in, my, in the doors of our church and they're a homosexual, that this is a safe place for them, and we can have that conversation, and they're going to be loved, and we're going to accept them uh, to, to be a, a part of our services, and I want them to know that this is a place that they can come and they can learn and grow. They might be uncomfortable. They may not like what we have to say, but we're going to say those things in as much love as we can possibly come up with, because they're no more a sinner than, than I am or than the rest of us at church are. I had to go to counseling because of what the church did to me. And the counselor is the one who was not a Christian, helped me to understand people in the church hurt you, not God. And so because God did not hurt me, I could stand in a church and get married to a man. Because God did not hurt me, I can stand up every Sunday and preach to transgender, straight people, gay people. I can do all of that because of the authenticity of who and what I know God is. So that's an interesting thing, because I know the authenticity of who I know God is. God is love, but he is also righteous and just. And what he says in his word has to mean something. It has to matter. And if we take that word of God and we just set it to the side and we don't worry about it, we just say, well, I'm going to I'm going to believe what I want to believe, and I'm going to pick and choose the parts. I'm going to say, well, that's written by Paul, so it's not as important as what was written by Jesus. Either all of all of this book is either real or or it's not. And so to pick and choose and claim doesn't work. So if I struggle with homosexuality, what does the Bible say? If I struggle with anger, what does the Bible say? If I struggle with lust towards women, what does the Bible say? If I struggle with bitterness, what does the Bible say? That should be the question that we're constantly asking, not how can I justify it because it's culturally acceptable or because I want to be loving and gracious. Just because somebody just because somebody has a desire to murder people doesn't mean that we just okay it and we accept them. We still have to look at them and say, no, there's certain things that are wrong. Either God is a, a God of morality and there is an absolute objective moral truth or not. And so we either believe the Bible or we don't believe the Bible. And so I'm calling us as Christians to say, hey, I'm going to look to the Word of God, and I'm going to make sure that it is the the lamp to my feet and the light to my path, and I'm going to move forward according to what Scripture says. So w- whether it's homosexuality or any other thing that you might be looking at or uh, contemplating as sin or is it not sin— Look to Scripture, find out what the Bible says, do some study and some research on it, and hey, if, if, if you're confused about it or something, keep digging into the Word of God. God is not the author of confusion, doesn't want you to be confused, but secular culture, the, the devil, they're going to try to confuse you. And so it might be difficult, 
but it doesn't mean it's impossible. So hey, as Christians, let's look to the Word of God and let's make sure that we're doing our very best to become sanctified, to become more like Christ, and to be image bearers of the creator of the universe. 